Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. All right, how many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Man, you guys are excited this morning. Something about being cooped up for several days inside the house, right? Yeah, we, we actually packed up the office um, this week, and I office out of the house. I don't have a laptop, so literally I'm walking out of the house Tuesday night with two monitors, my, my computer, my, um, all my commentaries in backpacks, and I was like a work, workhorse trying to get to the car. But it was okay. We got a lot of stuff done. It was a, a good couple of days. But this morning, we are moving forward in a series that we're simply calling Multiply. That's the word that we believe that God has given Encounter Church for this year. Our goal, our mission, if you would, for 2022 is to be a church that is multiplying for the kingdom of God. What does it mean to multiply? Well, obviously it means to grow in number. That's a pretty obvious choice. But it also means to grow spiritually to grow in our relationship with him, to get to know God at a greater capacity, all that he is, every morsel of who he is. It means to grow relationally with one another, to rub shoulders together, because the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. So it's our responsibility to get to know one another, right? So in every aspect of of the word multiply, that's what we're going to do this year, we're going to multiply our impact in our community. We're going to multiply our relationship with God. We're going to multiply what God is doing in this room and in Warrensburg. We're going to continue to let God do what he wants to do. But for the next several weeks, in fact, a few months, we're going to process through the book of Acts. Why? Because the book of Acts is where we find the early church stepping into this idea of multiplication. You see, Jesus has just ascended back to heaven. He's given them a mandate, if you would, to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And we're going to discover what that is. We talked a little bit about it last week. But right off the bat, in the book of Acts, we find the church with an urgency to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Do you have an urgency to tell those that are in your circle of influence about Jesus? Do you have an urgency in your life to tell your unsaved family about Jesus? Is there an urgency welling up from the innermost part of your being to tell those in the community about Jesus? You see, that's what we were seeing happening in the early church. And in fact, time and time again, we read in the book of Acts that the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. So how did this multiplication come about? Was it just, well, Jesus went to heaven and everybody's like, hey, let's get saved. No, I don't think that was it. I think it was the fact that the people, the church, the body of Christ, Grab the hold of the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die on a cross. That every one of them that believe in him, they won't spiritually die, but they'll have everlasting life in heaven with him. That's multiplication. 
That's our mission. That's our drive as a church, is to do all that we can to further the kingdom of God. But the early church realized that they couldn't do this all alone. In fact, Jesus understood that they couldn't do this by themselves. So he said, wait for the promise that the Father is going to send. Instantly, they began to to seek the face of God and join together in unity with one mind and one purpose. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended upon the place where they were. And the Bible says that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Something changed in a moment. They came to the place of complete reliance upon all that God is and all that he planned to supply in them because the Bible says that God will give us all that we need for this relationship with him, to to spiritually move forward with him. God's already made that available to us. So the early church, likewise, we must learn to depend completely upon the things of God and therefore put into motion what Jesus demonstrated while here on earth. Today, I want to take a few moments and I want to look at that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for you and for me? It's one thing to grab a hold of what does it mean for the early church? What did they experience? But what does that look like for you and for me in 2022. Well, today and even next week, I'm going to take two Sundays and I'm going to process through this great gift, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the early church waited for, anticipated, and unified themselves together in prayer to receive. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2. Again, 120 of them, they gathered together in the upper room. They've been seeking God, and they've been crying out, Lord, what do you have, God? What is this promise? They didn't understand. They didn't know what was going on. They were simply trusting in the words of Jesus. And then right out of the gate, in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, look at your neighbor this morning and say, all. We're going to discover why that's important in just a moment. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone, look at the person on the other side of you, and say everyone, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered, they were confused, to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now, the Holy Spirit is, is rather interesting. Let me be completely honest. Uh, sometimes he can be difficult 
to understand. Every church has their opinion on the Holy Spirit. Some agree with others and some disagree with others. There are those of you in the room today, there are those of you that are watching online right now that you grew up in a Pentecostal or a charismatic circle or church and you're very familiar with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are others of you in the room that you grew up in a church that simply avoided the mention of the Holy Spirit because there were leaders in that church that weren't sure what to do with him. Or maybe the leadership of that church felt that the Holy Spirit wasn't applicable to today. It was just for the early church in that time. Or perhaps you're here today and you didn't grow up in church at all. You've just recently even found out who Jesus is. So all of this is brand new to you. So here's my goal. Over the next couple of weeks and even throughout this series, my prayer, my desire, I believe God's heart is that we all come to the place of a true encounter with the Holy Spirit. Come on. That every one of us, whether you're in the house today, you're present here today, or you're watching online, that you come to this place of a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit and what role He desires to play in your life. But here's our struggle. We understand God the Father. Whether you had a father figure in your house or not, you have some idea of what a father figure should be like. You have a, a basic understanding of what a, a dad should do in the family. We have a pretty good understanding of God the Son, that's Jesus. We just celebrated his birth. He came as a baby to the Virgin Mary. Sole purpose was to to live his life on earth and to die on a cross for you and to me, to be the perfect sacrifice for us so that we could have eternal life. He died once for all. We understand God the Son, that's Jesus. But we struggle a little bit with the Holy Spirit. We don't really understand, we don't really comprehend who he is or what his role is in our life. Let me say something to you very quickly that's going to ease a lot of your nerves today. That's okay. You don't have to have the Holy Spirit all figured out. I would venture to say that the early followers, the early disciples and believers, they didn't know. All they knew, it was a promise. For them, it could have been, hey, we're all getting free McRibs. Come on, somebody. The marriage supper of the lamb right there. McRib, french fries, and hot mustard sauce. Come on. Mm. Let's move on. So they didn't understand completely what was happening, but the Holy Spirit showed up. You don't have to have it all figured out. I remember as a kid, every revival service, man, I was at the altar. I wanted the Holy Spirit. I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I had one person in my ear yelling, hold on, hold on. The Holy Spirit's coming, hold on. Another person in the other saying, let it loose, let it loose. And I was confused. 
Do I hold on? Do I let loose? What do I need to do? I just want the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until I came to that place of, Lord, it doesn't matter what they're saying. Lord, I want that promise. Lord, I want that outpouring that the early church unified together to receive. I remember the night. It was a July evening. It was an outdoor revival gravel floor in a pavilion brother george wright was preaching and he was there and man he called the altar call and i came forward i began to call out to god and it was almost instantly the holy spirit consumed my life what a night i want to challenge you in and through this series you may not have him all figured out you may have one person saying hold on and somebody else saying let loose but i'm just telling you surrender your life to him and whatever he wants to do that's what he's going to do it's our general superintendent of the assemblies of god that once said this the holy spirit is the third person of the trinity and our relationship with him is a vital part of christian living Come on, hold on to that. It's a vital part of our relationship with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's theologian Warren Wearsby that says it this way. It's not enough for the Holy Spirit, for us to have the Holy Spirit. The Spirit must have us. That's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, yes, takes residence inside of you, but he doesn't just want to live in you. He desires to fill you today. He desires to consume your life, and that's what I want to talk about for the next few moments. What does it look like, and why do we need the Holy Spirit? What's he all about, and how do we Put all of this together. Then the next week, I'm going to come back in and I'm going to give you some evidence. What's it really look like? What should you experience with the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready for that? Oh, it's going to be good. Buckle up. Number one, observation number one of the Holy Spirit is this. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus' birth was a fulfillment of prophecy, right? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is also a fulfillment of prophecy. Those that heard this great outpouring in that day, we just read it, they were making all sorts of speculations. They heard the noise coming from that upper room, and they, they all began to gather around trying to figure out what is happening, what's going on. Some even justified in their minds what they were experiencing. Some of those in the crowd or in the community that day as they gathered around that upper room trying to figure out what was going on. Some even speculated, perhaps these men and women are, are simply drunk. Well, Peter quickly stepped forward with a rebuttal. Let me remind you, and I'm going to remind you a lot of this over the next couple of weeks. Peter is the same man that, that denied that he even knew Jesus. Had very little boldness could not even stand up in a courtyard with people, a young teenage girl saying, hey, aren't you one of his followers? I've seen you with him. Your accent gives you away. Surely you're a follower of Jesus. And the Bible says Peter denied that he even knew who he was. 
And now in this moment, something changed in Peter's life. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit consumed him. A new fire, a new passion, a new drive was in him. He quickly stepped forward. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he stood before and addressed the crowd. Now, I don't know how many were there that day, but here's what I do know. Of those that were there that day, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, that 3,000 came to know Jesus. Isn't that incredible? By one man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, one man that just a month and a half before denied that he even knew who Jesus was, and now here he is addressing this humongous crowd. Many of you in the room, if a crowd of 3,000 plus came up, you'd be like, right? But Peter in this moment said, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. You, you don't really understand what's happening. What we're experiencing here right now is the prophecy that came that the Spirit would be outpoured. Jesus himself said that, that John baptized with, with fire and water, but I'm going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and in fire. That's what they were longing for. The Bible said that 3,000 came to know the Lord that day. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says this. No, this is Peter's response. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Can you look at your neighbor this morning and say all? That God will pour out his spirit on all people. People. This upper room experience, it caused quite a stir among the people. Peter explained to them that this truly was the fulfillment of prophecy, that, the, that those that were filled with the Holy Spirit were speaking in all sorts of languages. They didn't even know they were speaking the native language of some of those that had come to celebrate in the community. We have some in our culture today that will tell us that this outpouring of the Spirit was, was simply for them at, at that time. It was for the launch of the church. It's really not for us today. But I struggle with that because I look at verse 38 and 39, and it says this, Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children. Again, he's talking to the crowd that day. Think back over 2,000 years ago, pretend that I'm Peter and you're the crowd that day. He says, hey, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. That should excite you. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for your children, the, the next generation. But he goes on to add this, and to those far away. Now, that doesn't just mean in distance or location. That also means in time. This outpouring of the Spirit that you see happening, it's not just for those in the upper room. It, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for those far off in distant lands. But it's also for those far off in the future, in a distant time. All who have been called by the Lord our God. This gift is just as available today 
as it was then. Grab a hold of that. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is just as applicable in our lives today as it was 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. The first observation, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. The second is this, it's a separate, it's, it is separate from salvation. It is separate from salvation. Acts chapter 19. We find Paul, he's on his third missionary journey. And it says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, he saw a lot of believers. Okay, grab a hold of this. He found several believers. Look at this. He asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What was the reply? No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So here we have Paul talking to a group of people, and he says, hey guys, I know you're believers. Man, that is so awesome. I got a question for you. When you came to know Christ, when you became a believer, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And their response was, no, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even know that was an option. No one gave us the ABC list of what was available to us in that moment. Paul goes on to talk to them. A few moments later in verse 6 it says this, Then when Paul laid his hands on them, in other words, when Paul began to pray for them, something happened, something changed, something occurred in that moment. The Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other languages, other tongues, and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Now, let me explain something. I'm going to give you a lot of nuts and bolts to chew on today. And I hope that you're taking really good notes because some of you are going to want to go home. You're going to want to review this. You're going to want to process through this. So a couple things to process through. Number one, there are two experiences with the Holy Spirit. The first is this. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we receive Jesus. Okay? So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you say, Lord, come into my life, I've messed up. Anybody ever messed up in your life? Yeah, the good news is the Bible says that if we confess those sins, that, that God's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all the unrighteousness, all the wrong we've ever done. If you've been here very long, you've heard me quote that scripture almost every single week because that's the good news. And the moment you do that, the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of you. But there's a second occurrence that happens with the Holy Spirit. Number two, the baptism in the Holy Spirit follows salvation. It follows 
salvation. This is what, what's happening with Paul as he's talking to these 12 individuals. He said, hey, when you gave your life to Jesus, did you receive, were you filled with the Holy Spirit? They said, I didn't even know that was a thing. He lays his hands on them. He begins to pray for them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to understand. Both accounts are vital in your walk with God. Amen. Both accounts are vital in your walk with God. It all starts with this relationship with Jesus. That's the starting point. That's getting ready to run. That's waiting for the signal. Ready, set, go. That's the beginning point. Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. I'm messed up. I'm a train wreck. I need you. That's the starting point. Man, we were never designed to try to do this by ourselves with just that. Jesus himself, and we're going to get into this in a moment. He said, man, this is so vital. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. Hold on to that. I'll come to that in just a moment. We need the wisdom and the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit taking residence in our lives. We need that, that still voice going, uh-uh. Right? Come on. Anybody else? need that voice, that inner voice, the Holy Spirit going, what are you doing? What are you doing? We need the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. But we also need the power that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Christians that Paul was addressing had not been filled because they had not heard of the Holy Spirit. But as we just read, Paul prays for them. He lays his hands upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit consumed their lives. It was a separate occurrence from that of salvation. They were believers already when Paul met them, but then they received the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very, very clear. It's a separate experience. The moment we give our lives to Christ, we become the residents of for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple, the, the church, the house of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You are the resting place. You are the, the, the home of the Holy Spirit if you've given your life to Christ. But then there's that separate occurrence. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Who's, who's he talking to here? Is he talking to the unbeliever? No, 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 no. He's talking to the believer. He said, hey, I know you've already got this relationship. I know we're already chums. I know we're already part of the family. I know we've already worked through all of this, and you're following, following me in this journey. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, something's going to change. You'll receive power, dunamis, dynamite, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. One of the purposes of that power is to be a witness to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to multiply. Are we seeing how all of these pieces are beginning to fit together? 
For years, we've stood upon our mission as a church is to love, reach, and empower. But the only way that we can possibly achieve that is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, consume us, overflow in us, so we can fulfill the multiply mission that he's now placed in our hearts. There's a third observation, and it's this. This infilling of the Holy Spirit it's for everyone. It's for everyone. That's good news. That's good news. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for every person that's here today. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for every person that is watching online today. Look at the prophecy in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Oh, there's that word again. Have you noticed that it keeps popping up today? I mean, I didn't do a Google search. I didn't do a Bible search for every scripture with the word all or every. It just happens. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This gift of the Holy Spirit, this new anointing, this outpouring is available to every one of us today. If we go back to the day of Pentecost in the upper room, Acts 2-4, we read it a moment ago, but let me read it again. And everyone, we could also say, and all of them, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Everyone present was filled, not one or, or two of them, not just Peter and the other disciples, not those that had met a quota and been with Jesus for X amount of days or X amount of years, but everyone present. Look at this. They were unified in purpose. They were unified in goal. They were meeting together in the upper room with anticipation upon their heart, longing for the outpouring of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came, every one of them were filled. Every one. All-inclusive promise. Aren't you glad that God is an all-inclusive God? Come on, that should make every one of you happy today. Because if you were like me, there have been moments in your life when you were the last choice. Come on, gym class, third grade. Right? There's the captain. That's the cool kids. That's the ones that can actually bounce a basketball. I was like, I don't even know. So you have the cool kids up there, and they're, they're the, the ones that are choosing the teams. And, and you're standing in that line, and they're picking, and you're hoping, and you're praying, and you're interceding. You're fasting in that moment. Let them just choose me. Come on, right? And then you get to that last point. It's you and the other guy. And these two team captains, they look at one another, and they're like, toss up rock, paper, scissors, I don't know. I'll take Chris. And you're the leftover. 
Some of you even feel like that in life right now. You feel that every step that you take and everywhere that you go and every time you step into a situation, you are the last choice. You're overlooked. But can I just tell you today that God doesn't overlook you. He calls you. God doesn't overlook you. He appoints you. God doesn't overlook you. He chooses you. God doesn't overlook you. He gives you the opportunity to be filled and consumed with all that he is. The Holy Spirit, this outpouring, is for everyone. Acts 2.39, this promise is for you. It's for your children and all those far away. All that have been called by the Lord our God. Here's the question. Are we eager to pursue it or are we satisfied with where we are in our walk with Jesus? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. Are you eager in your pursuit of, is there an urgency inside of you? Or are you satisfied with just, just going through the motions? just going through the routine, just, just playing church. Or perhaps you need to ask this question, is the Holy Spirit even necessary in your walk with Jesus? Should I really just be skipping over Acts chapter 2 because Acts chapter 2 is pointless? Is the Holy Spirit necessary? I say yes. Others in the house today say yes. But did you know Jesus says yes? Look at some of his final words in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the early believers, and Jesus, the one that had been leading the pack, the one that had been performing miracles, the one that has raised the dead, the one that's done all these things, looks at me and said, hey, this is a good thing. I'm out of here. I'd be like, you're crazy. This is not a good thing. We need you. You're our fearless leader. But he says, it's necessary. It's good that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus said, if I go away, if I go back to the Father, I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you. What I want to make sure that we are doing in and through this series is staying as biblically sound, biblically accurate as we possibly can as we pursue the fullness of who God is. I don't want us to be guilty of picking and choosing our encounter. I don't want anyone in town or in the area around the well over there at Encounter Church. They choose pages 75 to 92, and then they skip over to 117 and go to 549. No, 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 no. Either this is God's word or it's not. Amen. I say it is. So I think that everything that is in here should be applicable and is applicable to our lives today. There'd be some out there that would say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's got to stay outside. Can I just tell you the Holy Spirit's not a stray dog? 
Either he's God or he's not. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. It's time to passionately pursue the fullness of God and not just a partial participation. Come on. It's time to passionately pursue the fullness of God. In other words, all that he is. And not just a partial participation. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God wants you to have. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God wants me to have. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God wants your children and all those far away to have. He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit on every one of us. In fact, Luke chapter 11 says this, and so I tell you, keep on asking. You see, some of you in the room, you've asked God, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And it hasn't happened yet. Let me be completely honest with you. I grew up in the church. I've been assemblies of God. My grandparents were assemblies of God pastors. They were church planners back far off. My mom was a children's pastor. I grew up in church cutting my teeth on the pew in front of me. You know what I'm saying? Coloring under the pews during long revival services. Come on, some of you were there. Every revival service, every time an opportunity was given, from the time I was a young child until 16, I sought after God. God, fill me! Time and time again, seems like I was passed over. But the Bible says, so I tell you, keep on asking. You receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone. Look at your neighbor. Say everyone. Come on, look at that. Here it is again. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Everyone seek will find. Your father's you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Some of you would, just to be honorary, but let's go on. Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Again, it's time to passionately pursue this promise. Next Sunday, we're going to cover this idea in a bit more detail. I'm going to give you some, here's what you can expect with the infill of the Holy Spirit moments. And I want to encourage you, be here. Man, this is information you've got to have. Too many churches, too often, it's overlooked because there's so many questions. Why not dive right into it? Okay, why not just talk about it? Let's not avoid the Holy Spirit. He's not our crazy Uncle Eddie. But he's the one that wants to steer, lead, and guide you. It's time to pursue all that God is. Would you pray with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.